0: Hey everybody, my name is Alex and welcome to Lunchbox Radio. Thanks everybody who listened to um, my episode on Urusei Astra Beautiful Dreamer. I, I know that was a weird one, especially since I had the whole rant about Crunchyroll in the beginning. But I I really enjoyed that big, weird, beautiful thing that is... Or, or, or a Beautiful Dreamer, and I just was struck by it when I thought when I was in the throes of my tummy troubles, and I wanted to talk about it, but I ended up putting it off to talk about Tenjo Teen, Tenge, and maybe one other thing. I do this week to week, folks, and I can't, I can't fucking remember. I like I, so, so this is weird. When I get to the point at which I'm recording a new episode, it feels like I haven't done an episode in three months. Even though I look at it, I'm like, no, I did an episode last Thursday, like I always do. Um, or in this case, I'm recording it a little earlier because it's going to be some life shit. And I'm not going to be able to record it the night of and hit publish. So I'm going to record this now. At an unspecified date. At an unspecified location. And it'll publish on its own. Because I'm magic. But, um, yeah. So, I had a lot of fun talking about that. Thank you to everybody who who listened to it. To anybody who did not listen to it. You can find it. It's the one under the one you're listening to now. Um, but... Uh, some of you may have noticed that I have added a little um, singy to the that I've changed the way that you get to the quote unquote podcast. Now, if you click a link, if you see me in, in, if you if if you catch me on the grams, okay, that sounds that that feels weird to say out loud. I mean, I want to be full on millennial and say it that way, but I cannot because. It makes me feel like I should have a goatee and a travel tattoo. Um. <laughs> no offense to anybody who's like, that's you're saying, but... Uh. So, um... I When I used to post something on Instagram, it would just go straight to the Apple link. But apparently, that did not drive so well with people who do not use the Apple phones or the iPhones or whatever the hell. So, I started using... A link to um the actual page on the apps I publish this on um what's it called on on Anchor to to my actual Anchor page where you can subscribe in basically every single podcast app you could want you can press a little button and it'll take you there but what's also there which may freak some people out so i want to take the time to acknowledge it and then we can all understand and move on from it um not we can all accept it and move on not understand we'll get to that in a second um the the uh, the thing that there is a support me link and it's not like i'm like jonesing for your money trust me i this is This is something I have done for a couple, in some form or another, a couple years now. I've put out a podcast ostensibly about cartoons and nerdy shit. I tried to put out a serious podcast and I just wasn't into it, so it very quickly just straight up backslid into cartoons. Sometimes me talking about cartoons with friends, sometimes me talking about cartoons by myself. Lots of me talking about cartoons by myself lately because... uh, friends have shit they need to do in the middle of the night in the middle of the week that I can't interrupt because that would make me, say it with me, a shitty friend um but the (laughs) I just thought I would put it up in case you really love this thing a lot and you wanted to maybe give me a dollar a month just be like hey I really like what you do here's a dollar probably even less than dollar, like, probably it amounts to, like, here's 89 cents, is probably what will happen, but, um, if you really like this, you can go and you can click on the link in the link, in and you can click on the button in the just at the link in the description of this podcast, and you can do, and you can donate to me once a month. And, like I said, i This will never. I will never stop doing this podcast. No, I'm not going to commit to. I will never because life happens. But I will. If I stop doing this podcast, it will not be because. Damn it! I'm not making money at the podcast because it's it's the year of our Lord 2018, and everybody and their uncle has a podcast, and I am I am no Mark Maron. I am neither neurotic nor. I obsessed enough to, like, capture an audience in that way. So I know I'm just... I, I know I'm not going to be the next podcast billionaire. I just thought I would give people the option to appreciate me monetarily if they feel like it. So if you feel like it, you can click on the link below and you can go do that. But that's not what we're here to talk about. I promise I'm not gonna just talk about maybe giving me money all the time. But I thought I'd bring it up here just so you know that, like, that's not what I'm expecting out of listeners of me. Because I I wouldn't want that expected of me if I was a listener of somebody else. Um, since yo, there's a lot there's lots of ways you can give lots of people lots of money right now, and I just I want it, I want my you guys, my listeners, to know that that's not where we're at. Um but that's not what we're here to talk about. What we're here to talk about is a little show by Studio Trigger. Now I've only ever done one other show by Studio Trigger. Um that's Kill a Kill. Uh you can also listen to that in somewhere in the library of this podcast. But it's a little show that I literally just finished, like less than probably 15 minutes ago, or how long we've been recording, less than less than seven minutes, less than eight minutes ago. I finished a little show called Kidniper. Before we get into the show proper, I want to bring up the kind of floating specter of any show by Studio Trigger, and that is that Studio Trigger was involved. Um, You you see this with any show they get anywhere close to, and the reason for that is they usually pick pretty... Even with their first official show, Kill a Kill, they usually pick pretty raw subject matter somehow. And um, in Kill a Kill, and also their subject matter usually has a lot to do with friendship and relationships and like love and platonic love and found family and all that crap. Um, and Kidniver is certainly no different. Um, so, and I believe Kid came out in 2015, I'm not sure. Um, but, I've got the thing open, but that's because, I've got the, um, Wikipedia in front of me, but that's because I can't remember all the characters' names in sequence, because once again, literally just finished watching this thing less than ten minutes ago. Um, but... So, th- this is. So, Kidniver is in the mold of a show that Studio Trigger would do. Very much so, because it focuses almost exclusively on friendship, the meaning of friendship, and the meaning of connecting in a real way with another person. And. I think that's really actually a great thing for a show to highlight and for a show to attempt to shine some light on, even if it's in a very anime-centric way, um, because think about how much time you, the listener of this podcast, spend on your phone. 're probably you're probably listening to this podcast right now on your phone you're probably you could be on a train on on a bus in a car but the act of listening to a podcast unless you listen to, unless you're specifically listening to it with a friend is solitary and so much of what we're encouraged to do now is solitary yes it there are social aspects to it. Yes, you are, you know, texting a friend. You are tweeting out things on social media. You are Facebook posting, and like your aunt in the in the Caribbean can see you, and blah 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 blah. blah. But none of that, none of that is a real physical in person connection with another person. You can you can argue that it is a connection with another human being, but it's not there's a s a degree of space there and there's a degree of um you doing it on your own terms. If you tweet something, if you post something, if you you know, play words with friends with a certain person, you are you and that person are both looking into yourself and saying, I want to do this right now. It is not forced on you to spend time with that person. It is not for- it is not forced on that person to spend time with you. It is not forced on that person to spend time with you. It is a wholly solitary decision that you are saying, okay, for this period of time, I am going to tweet... And or I'm going to have a text message conversation. Phone calls work exactly the same way. If you get really pissed off at somebody, you can hang up. And you cannot take their call. We've all been there. More than we'll probably admit. But what this... What KidNiver does in its plot... with its main plot device, which is connecting the with connecting the eight characters with by connecting their wounds or basically making it so they feel the same pain as every in each other person in their group meaning so like, So, like, let's say a, let's say a, um, a character stubs their toe. The other seven people in the group also feel that toe stub. They feel that physical pain, and they, they have a great kind of, like, video artifacting glitch effect that happens when somebody gets hurt. Um, to demonstrate that. But by connecting but by connecting all of them in that way, they force these people who exist in a very solitary way to whether those people realize it or not, to truly connect to each other and not and here's the thing that I think is so great about Keysneighber, because lots of times when people are in a relationship, they want to understand the other person, and they they want this they want this primary understanding of another of another of a whole other human, and that's not always possible. But they skip a step, but. Be- That's mostly because they're skipping a step. And to do this, to demonstrate this, I'm going to use myself as an example because I have the easiest example of this I can think of. I am physically disabled. I'm not mentally disabled. It stops at the physical. Basically what that means is I can't use one hand. But I'm also multiracial. Or biracial or however you want to call it. I'm a zebra. I'm a zebra baby, meaning that I'm half black, half white. So there is a large portion of human experience that I just don't I just don't slot into. I am not the like able bodied I'm not I'm not the completely able bodied white dude that, you know, a billion other people are. I'm, But I'm also not the, you know, a, 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 I'm also not black. And on top of that, I am... I am disabled to such a... to... in a very real way, but not in a way that inherently hinders most of what I do. So, the way I always... the way I always... Posit the limits. The limits my disability pu- puts on me is okay. Look, I can't tie my shoes and I can't do a pull-up. Those are the two things. That's it. Maybe I can't. I can't do the rope course in gym. All like little bullshit things that you don't need every day. That you didn't need every day in high school, but they tried to make you do every day because they were assholes. But because. I'm not, like, wheelchair-bound or any of that. I'm also not very easily slotted into the category of a real disabled person. Most disabled people look at me and they they think, Oh, he's fine. He's fine. He's He's got two legs that can move and carry him forward. He's fine. He's got all of his limbs. He's fine. He can see. No problem. But... What this does for me as a person is occasionally, it, it, I go through periods when this happens a lot. I just stop feeling like I'm surrounded by people. I feel completely isolated and completely disconnected from my surroundings. And it's like... This, I basically have an out-of-body experience. And it's very strange, very disconcerting. And the first question people always ask me is... Or the f- The first thing people always want to do is they want to understand it. But the understanding doesn't come from a place of... Wanting to... It comes from a place of wanting to help. But what it comes from is it comes from a place of wanting to fix it so we can all move on. So the whole... So us as a unit, me and whoever those people are, can just move on. But the steps they skip is really important. Because they go straight from finding out about it to... Wanting to understand to wanting to fix in like light speed, but what nobody does, and what this show demonstrates kind of masterfully, what Keith, Keith never demonstrates kind of masterfully, is everybody in all eight characters through being bound by their wounds and through being becoming friends learn to accept each other and learn to accept just that someone's just the way they are. That that person doesn't need to be fixed. Their problem, their problems sometimes can't be fixed. But by accepting that person as a whole, they help that person know that they're not alone. And this show takes eight different characters and mashes them together all, all but brady bunch style and says okay you're forced all of you are forced to be to be together no matter what you do because if you're hanging out if you fall if you slip in the shower and like land on your ass Everybody feels it. Everybody's like, oh, fuck! What was that? Who was that? God damn it! And, as a result, they all have to care about each other's well-being. And not only that, um, I think it's by episode, I want to say, three or four, they start to experience each other's emotions. and that And that takes them from the level of just accepting each other from, to the level of starting to understand each other. And that's kind of the way it should go. But the interesting part about this show is you start off with this with this main character who's like the best way I can describe Kasuhira is Kasuhira is a ostensibly the our, like, introduction to all these characters, because there's no... There are main... Kasuhiro's definitely the main character of the show. He's the... character the show focuses on. But... for much of the show, there's not a... overt main character. So, we come in... at Kasahira Agatha... and he can't feel any pain. And for those... I forget what it's called, but there is a disease where, like, a person, where a human being lacks the ability to feel pain. And if you ever wonder why that would be useful, it's because pain is basically the thing that tells the human body to stop. Which means that if you were to drop something in a fire, and you wanted to get that thing, and your brain just was like, oh, I need my phone back, and you reach into the fire, the fire burns, and you stop. That stops you from going all the way full on into the fire, and just dying. Now, that's a stupid example, but it's, uh, you, you get the point. But Katsuhira can't feel pain for whatever reason, and he basically spends his days getting the shit kicked out of him by kids in his by these two punk kids in his class who are extort- or are taking all of his money and at it's at that point you meet Hajime, and Hajime is this like. Is this, this like this pu This like street punk, street thug-looking guy, who defends, who defends Kasuhira, and says, like, "Give me the money back," and all this other stuff. It's uh, it. It feels like a scene directed by people who had something to do with Guren Lagan because there is a lot and there is a lot of Gurren Lagan DNA in this show. From the um designs the of the mascot characters to some of the scenes woven through the show. And that's how you're introduced to that's how you're introduced to Kashira and Hajime, you you meet Noriko, Noriko, who is uh, or you meet uh, Chidori, Sorry, like I said, I have a hard time keeping the names straight in this show. Um, you meet Chidori, who is kind of poet as it's very clear that she loves Katsuhira, that she really at the very least cares for him deeply, at the very most truly loves him. And you find out later in the show that she does truly love him. But because Kasuhiro is like a piece of tofu, uh, that, uh, he he never... By the time he realizes that that she feels that way, he's already developed feelings or redeveloped feelings, spoiler alert, for Noriko, the... The kind of patron saint of this experiment that are all can kidna- that all eight characters are kidnapped and forced into a uh, kidnapped for and forced into called the Kizna experiment. Experiment and what the Kizna experiment is is it like I said at the beginning of this? It's as far as I can tell an implant that connects all of them. By their at first physical pain and then emotional pain, and then like emotional trauma level pain basically. And the idea behind this, the idea behind this experiment is, if, and it's just, it's a sound one. It's it makes a lot of sense. And the thing about the thing about trigger shows that I appreciate other than the like artistry of. Trigger people, but the artistry of Trigger people is, like, it's just the artistry of creative people, but, the, um, the, but, but, so I'm gonna go on a little rant here. The, trigger is unique in the world of anime because they have couched themselves as being real artists, and they are, but the thing that they are really doing is they are figuring out a way to make what they want instead of just instead of only being hands for hire. Often animators and animation studios because they get caught up in, you know, paying the bills basically become hands for hire to make certain things. That's why studios like Madhouse while they did make things like Redline, Redline almost puts them out of business, they already they also make things like Tenjo Yes, I'm not kidding. Did you madhouse Made Tenjo Tenge. I don't think I mentioned that in the Tenjo Tenge episode which you can listen to earlier in the um, episode stream of this podcast. But Trigger has figured out a way to, and it's and they started a crowdfunding campaign. They started a a, um, a Patreon page, so you can give to them directly. But they found a way to make the things they're interested in making, and also make it commercially viable. Just because just because somebody doesn't make something that they is making things that are commercially viable doesn't mean that a they don't want to make them. B it doesn't it doesn't also mean that they aren't creative. But, anyway, by connecting all of the characters through their pain, without their consent, they, the Kiedna system is designed to ultimately end, bring eternal peace and happiness to the world, because the idea is that it will somehow act as a deterrent, because it will create a kind of permanent lasting empathy for everyone else in the world if when you shoot somebody you feel like you got shot. Which is really amazing because if you think about a lot of the problems we're having right now, if somebody had empathy for like I if somebody if oh so here's the way I would put it. Um Some of you listening to this may have heard about the uh, the Grand Slam finals that Serena Williams lost to Naomi Osaka, and if you go and you listen to just the audio of Naomi struggling like hell to give her acceptance speech, after just playing the game of her, playing the game Uh, For those of you who don't know what I mean by Grand Slam, I mean tennis. Playing the game of her life against her idol and winning. And the entire audience, like most of the crowd is booing her like she brought a puppy on stage and stabbed it to death. She... She has managed to do an amazing thing. She has managed to win. And because... No one... No one in... The... Stadium... For a period of time, including Serena Williams... Can... Emphasize with the fact that she... Went up against her hero... And beat her hero... Pretty badly. They don't just. At the very least. Sit quietly. And appreciate the fact that. She won. She did something amazing. And she. She deserves to have. The same celebration. And at least. Moment of inner peace. And accomplishment. That any other great athlete has but because there's no sympathy for her situation of essentially doing something that if left to her own devices, that if she had she never, if she hadn't played tennis, she would never think about doing they boo her because there's no empathy for her for the scenario that she then they don't even give her the opportunity to like i said at the very least have a peaceful moment and just experience the fact that she won she she basically achieved her dream at, at least for the time being and that turned that i think i heard a sport a sports uh ten, uh publisher of a tennis magazine on um the vox podcast today explained which i think i think that episode came out um on it came out on monday night i want to say what day is today Yeah, it came out on Monday night, so you can find it. You can find that on whatever podcast thing you li- you're listening to this on. But the way that she described it was she said the awards ceremony turned into a fiasco because everyone was booing, Naomi was struggling through tears to just give a basic I'm so happy that I beat my that I beat my hero speech and Serena Williams eventually stepped up and said, you know, like I'm I believe me, I'm disappointed that I did not win this. But she deserves this. Let's try and just give her this because she fucking earned it. And you know, more power to Serena for whatever happened in that match. More power to Serena. But If those people in the stand for one moment could experience just a tense of just whatever emotions Naomi must have felt. Whatever emotions this amazing athlete must have felt after besting the reason she started... The reason she st- literally the reason she started down the path towards playing the sport and the reason that she was there in the first place, then maybe they would have had some idea of what it meant to her and all the complexity of that. And if, th- by the same token, if you could if anybody could experience is what... So, here, here's, a, here's a weird thing. I have a old family friend, a kind of surrogate older brother, who went into the Marines. And one of the things they do in the Marines is they make you experience the kinds of things that Marines do to people in war. Which is interesting, because they want, they want you to understand the gravity of at least a tenth of the gravity of what, A, you might experience yourself, but B, what you could possibly be doing to other people. So, they basically stick you in a big box, and they gas you. Now, they give you gas masks, but they basically gas you, and they're like, get that mask on real quick, or you're not gonna have a good time. You're gonna be puking for a solid, I don't know, week. Um, but, the end... And oftentimes in police training, they make they make you take a taser shot because they they want you to understand at a immediate level at an immediate primal level when I shoot this taser at this college kid, this is what it's gonna feel like for that kid. So I better think real hard about whether I want to tase this kid. And if other and if other thing, so like I'm not saying every cop should get shot at least once before you before the internet freaks out on me. I'm not saying that, but I am saying if a cop put on a bolt, if every cop in America was made to put on a bulletproof vest and just take one in the vest just to feel. What it's like to get shot, without the dying part, or without the having to go have the bullet removed part, then they would at least have a physical, flat thing they could, a physical experience they could flash back to when they thought about taking their gun out. And I'm not saying that police taking the gun out of the light thing. I don't think it is, but. I think that it's... I mean, I know that it's resorted to a lot sooner for a lot of cases that don't really need it. And the key the Kidniver system is designed to instill that kind of empathy into everybody around the world, basically. So, they put it in these eight kids. And over the next 12 episodes, actually over the next maybe... Maybe, let's call it 11 episodes. Because the first one and a half are, like, about set up, basically. These kids, they go through the full, A, the full range of emotions, and B, the full range of just scenarios. Because the other thing that, um, at first, uh... Noriko who is the who who is essentially their overseer even though she's strangely the same age as them and who they come to find out are their and the two teachers who they find out are basically their handlers but also their um, I think their homeroom teacher and their nurse respectively in the actual high school they attend puts them through a series of missions, and that series of missions is meant to make them grow closer as a group. And but eventually, I think it's around episode ten, and then once again there's a twelve episode show, so spoilers, I'm obviously talking about all of it. They start to contort it. Um and mostly because With all, and you're led to, and you're gradually led to believe that they've done this a couple times, and it's never, and it's never ended well. You're not told what that means, but it's never ended well. Um, but basically, they do this to force them close together and force strong emotions, and then once they get to the... Level of the experiment where they where all of the, keys in the mem while the people in the keys in the system it, walls the Kiznaevers can feel each other's emotions they move it to another stage and it's and if it feels like I'm not talking like I'm skipping over some bad things or you've seen the show and you're like What about about Hajime and Niko's relationship? What about Honoka and Sugohito's relationship? And what about Yoshiharu just as a weirdo? Uh, They don't really matter in the grand scheme of what the show's trying to demonstrate. They're specific, but they're not... But they're not, they don't matter that much to the meat of the show. What matters is that you're seeing seeing all of these people experience these emotions and get closer. And the plot device of the Kisina system is given as the excuse to be the kind of spark that starts the fire, basically. And what's really interesting about this is, it's... So, I've gone on dates. And I've gone on dates with dating sites. And what's interesting about going on da- dating sites is... When you're using a dating site and you get a date, you've... That is essentially a version of this show's Kisina system. It is the spark that starts to fire. It is the thing that enables two people who have no... who have no idea each other exist, even, but are within a certain radius of each other, obviously, to connect and make an effort to do something together. Now, whether or not that date goes anywhere, whatever. That's not really the point. The point is that there is very little way for a person to connect to another person without... Um, without... ...some kind of artifice anymore... ...because of how kind of insular we are... ...and that has given rise to all kinds of problems... ...and the insularness of... ...people... ...has allowed for... ...a lot of political problems... ...and a lot of world problems... ...and a lot of all this other shit... ...and... ...by... ...and once again, the idea of the Keithness system... ...is to bring people close together... Basically, fortunately, so they don't have. So the the reasons to fight are less than the reasons to get along, basically. But in that, and that's the big lofty theory of the Kizna program. But the on the ground reality is, it's, is, it is. Pulling a bunch of teenagers together and all- allowing and forcing them to open themselves up to relationships. The Kind of the best example of this is actually Honoka. And Honoka is this really kind of... <laughs> she's this girl with this, sim- with this simply kind of foul personality... And it, uh, this show, the the one regrettable thing about this show is it, it, the way that the kids are selected, is they each personify what they call one of the seven deadly sins, and the seven deadly sins, as they refer to them, are different. They are are different than the ones you're thinking of, like sloth, envy, all that shit, all that shit. They are, um. Mediocrity. Um, I think. Um, self-righteousness. Bad personality. Uh, oh, high and mighty. I think one is um, fake eccentric. That the, they're all like these traits. They are the, each character supposed to be personification of, and the main character. Um, Kasuhira is, he's supposed to be the idiot. And he, you find out later that he is not an idiot because he is choosing to be, but because he is essentially forced to be. But the thing that this the conclusion that the show comes to and it's a really real it's a very real conclusion is that whatever the artifice that a lot that forces people open to being in any kind of relationship be it romantic be it friendship be it found family or whatever it is the uh, and in the end whether or not that relationship continues is up to the people. It's up to both people, and that means that some effort needs to be put in any other way. And like I, like I started saying before, I got lost in the sauce, like I usually do. The best version of that is Honoka and Honoka. You're introduce you're introducing Honoka is first. That night look, she gives um. What's his face? Um, the, the first introduction you have to Honoka is a snide look he, she gives to Sugohito before she knows exactly who he is. And once she's, like, abducted and she gets the keys in the system put into her, they have to. Their first mission is a self introduction. But it's not like a self introduction, like, name and class, because they all try that, and they're all. Basically, basically tasered via Katsuhiro, who is being held as the kind of linchpin to administer punishment when they don't, quote-unquote, hold up their end of the bargain. What the actual self-introduction is, is it's they have to reveal one true secret about themselves that they would never tell anyone else. They basically have to... Tell each other their like deepest darkest fears, base or their deepest darkest secrets. And what Honoka says is, "I killed someone once." And the way the way they have pitched this character, you're like, "Oh fuck, this girl may have murdered somebody." What you come to find out later, though, is that she didn't kill someone. She became friends with basically a cancer kid who ended up dying when they were middle school, and as part of that, they became a decently well-known among middle schoolers, um, manga writing team or m- manga art manga art team, and they published of uh, this like small run of a overly dramatic, like, lesbian soap opera thing. Which was, in actuality, a reflection of their relationship. And you realize that the reason why Honika is so distant and why she only has brief moments of really connecting with everybody else in the group who by this point are very deeply connected to each other is because she had that deep connection and it was ripped away from her by force it was just that that link was forcefully severed by reality and that and it became it became really really difficult for her to justify that Making that connection again because her, her trust was betrayed, and uh, eventually she does make that connection again, despite her own best misgivings. But what they also say about Honoka is that every time, you know, like Sugohito, like every time they call Sugohito, Sugohito's like "fuck off, I don't, I don't feel like dealing with you idiots right now." But every time they call Honoka, she's like, "Yeah, sure." Fine, I'll go. Meaning that she, regardless of whether or not she does, she seems like she's doing it willingly. She always does do things willingly. She's always there, and that's because she's putting in the effort. She's putting in. She's putting in the effort of being friends with the rest of them it, until a certain point. Sugorito doesn't really and when he finally does he really does and after end in the couple episodes at the end when they're all removed from the Kizuna system there's this sense of melancholy that accompan- that accompanies the like episode and a half when they're all just kind of drifting and they're not really and they're they acknowledge each other, but they don't. They're they're trying to not acknowledge each other in the same deep way because of the events of the show. Um, basically, they made a love octagon out of out of these kids. Without them, without them completely realizing it, actually, they made a love decohedron because Noriko gets included in this insane mess in this insane mess of teenage emotions and then it's instantly broken and after it's instantly broken you know everybody wants to forget stuff that's painful but stuff that's painful is important and it's, it's important to relationships you know if you had a fight with your best friend you're always going to remember that fight. But the difference is that eventually the two of you don't necessarily come to understand it, but you you come to accept that it happened and you forgive each other first. And that's important. So I guess what I'm trying to say here is that it's... Keith Niver is a it's not a perfect show it's it's a but it's a good meditation on how friendship works and what it means to be somebody's friend and what it means to be somebody's friend in a situation where they have some sort of baggage that you can't you can't deal with you can't make go away you can't force somebody to forget their baggage Best friend and first kind of first love that died of kid- that died of liver disease or kidney disease, I think it was, but you can't accept that it happened, and you can't and by doing that, you can help them not move on but begin to like live again begin to really live again, because in Honoka's case, you really understood that she didn't she kind of was in standstill, she was doing everything she needed to do at a high school, but she was in this weird standstill of, of of life, because she didn't have anybody to share those, to share the experience, to share the feeling of this person who was really important to me died, and in the same in that but in and that's a kind of pre-set up prefab example. But in the case of Kasuhira and Chidori, Chidori does love Kasuhira, and Chidori expresses those feelings, and they go unrequited. They, they go unrequited because Kasuhira by that point has feelings for Noriko. And Noriko is her own nightmare, which we'll get to in a second. But Hajime has feelings for Chidori, and that love square, which only flows in one direction, gets very complicated very quickly. But because they all have shared in that experience, their relationship can kind of be washed out and be a real relationship, not just, you know, uh, somebody who you sit next to in class and talk to sometimes, not just the kind of shallow friendships you have when you're young that you float in and out of when you're younger. And those kinds of real relationships, those kinds of real connections with another human being ...are difficult. They are incredibly difficult. And... ...most people... Uh, ...when they're first... ...when they first... ...encounter them... ...are... ...not... ...are not only... ...not only do they make a huge attempt to avoid them... ...but they are... ...they're scary to people. Because that, that means that... ...because if you have to because if you form a deep connection with somebody then you're putting yourself out there and when and it's to anybody who's ever said to a another person i like you i love you i have feelings for you putting yourself out there is scary i mean i i've done it i've done it a bunch of times at, Lots of people have done it a bunch of times, but it's always scary. It do- and it doesn't matter whether or not you're like really comfortable around women or really comfortable around men or really comfortable around whoever the gender of whoever it is you're interested in. It's not about gender at that point. It's about you risking yourself to, tr- to make a real connection with somebody or in the hopes of making a real connection with somebody. So, to give you an idea, I had a girl... My second girlfriend in college, I was so, so fucking terrified of just saying, like, I like you, I want to be a couple, that I had to wait until... And if she's listening, she'll remember this. I had to... We're not... We're not together anymore, but I had to wait until I until we had gone grocery shopping, because we were friends before we were a couple. We were really close friends before we were a couple. It was a weird hidden-her-circumstances situation. um, But... We had gone grocery shopping together, which is a thing you do in the ghetto. <laughs> in, in, ghetto in, in, a, in the ghetto, when you go to art school, you go grocery shopping together. And she had left her jacket at the grocery store, which was... Straight up on the other end of the city. So, I said, like, oh, maybe next time we go, they i have it in, walked and found. And then, basically, after that, I walked, as shit you not, in the rain to get her coat and brought it back. Now, lots of people would say, like, oh, Alex, that's so sweet, that's so chivalrous. No, it's not. That was the way that I would be able to do something that I felt gave me the excuse and ability to finally say, like, I got your coat. If you haven't figured it out by now, I'm really into you and I want to go out. That was the thing that I needed to give me enough courage Put myself out there. In that moment. That's changed since. But. It's hard for people to put. Them. The point is. It's hard for people to put themselves out there. It's even harder for people to put themselves out there. When there's a real. When there's a real risk. But what. Kid does. Really well. Is that it. Forces. It forces. It forces the hand of all the characters. It forces that risk so that none of the eight characters can be contained, can can live a contained life. They have to share with each other. Or else, you know, they go on into... Or else they're forced into a situation and they are forced all the time. Now, the this show gets complicated when you get to Noriko, and so extreme spoilers for the show. You find out, basically, that Noriko and Katsuhira, who's, like, held up with this special, interesting case of I have no pain, and I can only feel a variant, the emotional variant of pain, are... are former Keith, Keith Niver, ex our former... Niver experimentees themselves, and Kasuhira is still connected to Noriko through his wounds, and, Nor- and Noriko is trying to ultimately connect everybody in the world because she she grew up, and I can really emphasize with this a lot of the, in a lot of the ways that I grew up. She grew up disconnected from everybody else. She grew up alone. And when she was forced into the Kizna experiment, she was able to have friends. She was. But she read it as people were forced to be with her through the Kizna experiment. And to some extent, that could be true. In reality, they just put her with other kids and she got to be a kid. But because she never experienced that before, when she experienced it and the Kizna experiment was added, she saw that as the different thing from any other time, so she latched on to that. And so she ultimately ends up trying to connect with the rest of the world. And... This is the point in their show, and and this is true of many Studio Gainax shows and many Studio Trigger shows. There comes a time in all these shows, in lots of Studio Trigger shows, where they just come out and say what they're talking about, which I really appreciate. And it's usually at the end of the show, but I still appreciate it. When they're just like, no, the only thing that will save the world is true love and friendship, And you have to make an effort to make those bonds. And that's basically what the show says, and that's how it ends. And it ends with Kasuhira and Noriko finally being able to basically be a couple. But also, they slot into the bigger dynamic of the other seven people around them. And being friends with them and interacting with them and all of that stuff. Um, now, I've been ta- I'm stunned that I've been talking about this show for an hour already, so I think I'm gonna cut it here. There's a lot more I could say about King Niver, but if you're interested in this show, it's actually available both subbed and dubbed on Crunchyroll. It's one of those weird shows. Um, kind of like Durar- Durara and, um... What's the other show they watch? Oh, and Tenjo Tenge. Tenjo Tenge is available dubbed on Crunchyroll 2, weirdly enough. But you can find it there. I... If you haven't given it a chance or you're like, this show seems weird, why am I watching this? Give it a shot. Give it a couple episodes. It, it gets its head out of its own ass pretty quickly. Um, but... And also the weird the weird chickens with shibai ropes and salmon roe on their heads are just, like, top-notch weird, creepy m- Japanese mascot design of all times. <laughs> just the best. I forgot what they're called. But they're great. Um... But if you like this episode of this show, you can subscribe to it on your podcast app of choice. Um, I will put a link in the description. You can go there. And as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, you can also, if you've been listening to the show for a while, um, give me a monthly tip. Like I keep saying, you don't have to. That's not what I'm here for. This show doesn't stop if nobody does. I just thought I'd put it out there as an option for people if they were like I really like this guy, I want to give him money somehow. Why should I stand in the way of that, you know? And until next time I'm Alex, and this has been Lunchbox Radio and I'll talk to you next time. So, you can